Today I want to talk about, continuing in our series in Mark, I want to talk about tradition or truth. So, when I have tradition, Yeah, I was going to do that, but then I thought, nobody wants to see me do it when Josh knows how to do it. But, you know, we can get stuck in tradition. In fact, that song is about that, being stuck in tradition, about the concept of, of the tradition, whether that's actually a cultural thing or it's something that we should follow. And the story we're going to talk about today is about a tradition that have become more important than the Bible. Traditions that have become more and more above and beyond what God ever asked for. And some are based on false pretenses or do not fit a contemporary time. Um, one tradition that we have is, uh, this uh, next slide up here, is how we should dress in church. If I dressed either of these ways, now, I think I might be able to pull off a kilt. I'm not positive. But, uh, it, you know, if I was in Scotland, you'd be like, that's great. That's a tradition. That would look great. But if I came here, I think it'd be distracting. All right? It'd be like, why is our pastor wearing a dress? It's not appropriate. To your, on the other slide, you'll see people in Myanmar. When I was in Myanmar, I walked, the men wear... Uh, Gianji's, and these are basically dresses, and the men would wear these. Again, appropriate Myanmar, not necessarily appropriate here, but you could get so caught up in this. If, what if the people of Myanmar said, if you don't wear a Gianji, you don't love Jesus? Well, that's ridiculous. We don't live in Myanmar. Okay, we're not in that hot climate like they are. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you wear that Gianji in a, a 20 below going through the, yeah, no, never mind. That's not happening. Okay? So, I, one of my favorite stories, of course, uh, came from me from college, was traditions. Something that this is legalistically important. One is the necktie. And when I played drums at a church in college, they had a rule that you had to wear a necktie to be on the platform. Well, if you've ever played an instrument, especially like drums, wearing a necktie is really hard. It gets in the way. I didn't want to do it. And I said, and I asked my one of the professors at um, campus at North Central, I said, why am I wearing, why do I have to wear a tie? He goes, let me tell you a story. He said, in Romania, if you wear a tie, they will kick you out of the church. And I said, I'm liking this Romania. This is a good place. He says, because they look at the tie as an unnecessary adornment, and it's drawing attention to yourself. And I said, oh, 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 amen to that. Okay? But he was saying that same piece of cloth can be thought of as so important of a tradition in one area that you have to wear it, and so important of a tradition in another area that you shouldn't wear it. And yet, we put these things and we make these rules that this is going to be who we are based on 
the, the things that are handed down to us. Uh, contemporary versus traditional. What style of music do we do? When is it that God stopped, you know, moved most? Was it the 40s, the 50s, the 1600s, the 2010s? You know, did it all change? We have traditions, which are fine. How do we take communion? Okay, I remember when I changed from handing the communion plates out to having people come forward. There were some people that were pretty upset with me because that's not the way we do it. We don't do it that way. And I said, well, we're going to do it this way. We're going to try something different. And now it becomes a tradition. If I went back to passing it around, I bet I'd have people come up to me and say, why are we doing it this way? This isn't the way we do it. Okay? In, uh, I know in, uh, a Luther, in some Lutheran churches, the singers have to be in the back so they don't draw attention to themselves. In most of our churches, they have to be in the front, and some of them really like to draw attention to themselves. Not all of them, but not our fine worship leader, but some of them. Okay? So there's different traditions that we carry forward. You know, and Jesus had already kind of messed with the scribes and Pharisees before this story. Jesus had rejected the scribal rules of associated with outcasts, requirement of fasting, and restrictions on the observance of the Sabbath. And they had taken legitimate rules of the Old Testament and then added to them and made them more strict and stringent. They took it and they brought it to the nth degree how hard it was going to be. And there's going to be a big struggle how to carry these traditions on and what needs to happen. And so we're looking at this section and we just want to say, what should we do with tradition? How should we handle tradition? And where does tradition good, but where can tradition within our lives take over for actual godliness? Because in our churches today, we can, it's fun to read these stories because we can pick on them. Oh, those silly first century Jews. They're so full of their traditions. Thank God we're past that. No, we have to take every one of these stories because what I always think is important, if you look at another culture, can you see the things easily that's going on in that culture? What we need to do is have other people look at us and say, what do you see? What do you see that we're doing, that we're, that we're blending and we're not really following God, we're following tradition? And we want to really dig into this, what God was getting into. So first of all, we want to talk, we're just going to read the first few verses here in Mark chapter 7. It says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they had come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And these and there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So here's what we have going on. And then it ends in verse 5 with this note. And the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? So here's what's going on. Jesus walks up. He comes out of the marketplace, which they would have considered unclean. And he goes in, and his disciples are about to eat. Now when they say, you've been told before, right? Wash your hands before you eat. Okay, and if you're in this culture at this time, really want to wash your hands before you eat. Okay, this is not, does not have the cleanliness standards 
uh, first century Middle East with no refrigeration probably has some things that you don't want to touch and eat after that. But this is not what they're talking about because they probably maybe had washed their hands. This is the ritual nature of washing your hands. Doing it in such a way that has this purity to it. In the Old Testament, it was only the priests who had to do a certain kind of washing. There was a whole thing laid out for them to go into the temple. They had to wash themselves in a purification ritual to make sure that they're ready to go and meet God. But the Pharisees added to this. Their traditions had moved Jews, although there were still some arguments in this time, but many Jews were following the practices. We need to act like the priests all the time. All the time. And the word here that is literally washing with a fist. Now, we don't even know what this word means, washing with a fist, because you can try it. You know, how do, I don't know how you wash with a fist. But it was a specific way of doing it. So in other words, if you were doing it this, oh, no, no, it's this angle. And then only when you count to four. Ritualistic, just a ritual that you have to do. And this, in verse 3, is the first of six mentions of the word tradition. What is this about? We like our traditions. We like what is traditional. And we're not going to give up on what's traditional because it's what really matters. And of the elders is going to talk about the fact that it came from people before them, not from the Bible. So they're not even going to argue from the Bible. Just so you know, in verse 4 it talks about that there were rules that they had set up. Traditions that they had set up for washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining. Well, there's a whole section I I read from an author, and he was talking about how far this had gone in the Jewish culture. You see, what had happened was they came back from captivity, the, the Israelites, and they wanted to stay pure and separate. So they started to make more and more rules to make sure they could keep their people um, on that path of separateness. And what they came up with is the Mishnah, which means to repeat. It's this attitude and things that they're going to do. Now, that wasn't put into code until 200, but at this time, they were already doing it. For example, Mark tells us about cups and laws and things like that, but, it, but do you know, in this book, there are 30 chapters for you to follow the minutia and the prescription of the ritualistic cleaning of a pot or a pan. I'm going to say that again. 30 chapters, not words, not sentences, not paragraph, 30 chapters, how to wash a pot or a pan. And it's just like, you might have missed the point here. Okay? Well, and there's, there's a whole one volume on how to wash your hands. And it may be that where the fist comes in. They discovered all of these things as we look back at this. And they, don't, they didn't have enough, so they came up with the Midrash beyond that. The Midrash was the commentary in the books of the Bible, and they even added more. So there's all these commentaries and all of these things that they added. 30 pages, one volume, how to wash your hands, how to wash your pots and pans, what not to do, what to do. Even the life of the Lord, there was the Aramaic to repeat. And he speaks, remember when they said he speaks like somebody who has authority, people talked about Jesus? It's because he wasn't just repeating the tradition of the elders, he was speaking either from the word of God or with somebody with authority. 
They were so devoted to this material that there are some quotes at this time that said, the words of the scribes are more lovely than the words of the law. Can you imagine? People are saying, the words of the teachers, the words of our traditions are higher than the words of the Bible themselves. One other person, one other quote we have from this time, it is a greater crime to transgress the words of the schools of the rabbi than the words of Scripture. My son, attend to the words of the scribes more than the words of the laws. This is where it had become. Don't worry. It's not the Bible anymore. It's our tradition. It's the way we do Bible. And in fact, we get so far away in some churches that churches where the pastors and priests are the only ones who are allowed to interpret the Bible and nobody's allowed to actually see the Bible because there's a tradition that you must follow. And Jesus is attacking this. Um, so you, you know about the story. You violated the tradition, he's trying to say. And the Pharisees and the elders are going to ask him, why do your disciples not follow the traditions of the elders? Don't you understand? This is the most important thing, that they follow the traditions. And a rabbi, another rabbi says, whoever has his abode in the land of Israel and eats his food with washed hands may rest assured he shall return, receive eternal life. They got to the stage where they got to where the, that if you did this act, you received eternal life. And you say, well, that's just, Christ, that's just Judaism. We've gotten to the stage within Christianity, and this is where vampire movies come from, just from the record. Okay? I get to talk about poop today, tradition, and vampire movies. It's a great Sunday to be here. But... You know how in vampire movies, if you get holy water, and if you spray it on, the, on a vampire, it'll kill him. If you use the cross, it's an element that has its own power on its own. If you, if you baptize a baby, it's instantaneous everything. Okay? We have traditions where baptism, baptismal regeneration is the big word for it. When once you're baptized... Everything is taken away from you. And some people even waited till the very last moment of their life to make sure they were baptized so everything would be forgiven. So we've done that. And I've always said if that's true, that baptism will save people, I'm going to go start squirting people with a super soaker and saying in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit and save this entire town. But there are people within their doctrine who will say that the act of doing it with a certain way makes it happen. There, it got so far that they had a demon named Shimta that sat on men's hands while they slept. And to not wash your hands ceremonially meant that he was transferred to the mouth and got inside of you. And I thought to myself, now I was told this, again, I want to bring this back to traditions that we have. I was told this once, and I, I think the person was somewhat joking, but I think they had a little bit of truth to it, that if you don't pray before you eat, you think, you know, God bless this food, you're going to get a tummy ache. Anybody ever been told that besides me? I don't know, the only one who got that. Okay. <laughs> but you're going to get a stomach ache. 
And I thought of the same thing right here because we do have traditions like that where it's like you must do it this certain way. And so, you know, you can't, it's so difficult, but we have traditions in our church. Think of the traditions that we have. How do you pray? What position are you in prayer? Do you have to have your hands folded? Do you have to be on your knees? Do you have to be standing? Do you have to come to an altar space? At one time, has anybody, uh, here, I'm going to ask another question. Has anybody ever had a real productive conversation and debate on Facebook? Okay, they never happened. But uh, I, somebody, this is in this pastor's group that I was in, and somebody was upset because they were throwing out a, bo- or a wood thing that was in the front of the church, and they said they're getting rid of the altar, which means no one will get saved anymore. Well, the thing was falling apart. And I challenged him. I said, aren't you worshiping that like an idol? They didn't respond well to me. Um, but again, it wasn't that helpful. But it became to the stage of, no, that altarpiece. At, fa- at our own camp that we have at Lake Geneva, which I love so dearly, we had a prayer room and the old tabernacle. And that's the only place God lived. When they built the new worship center, I still call it the new worship center. Was it 35 years old now? No, I'm getting old. Um, and it's uh, just not the same. God just doesn't move like this in this place. Why? Because our traditions. I can tell you about the old tabernacle. It was full of mosquitoes and it was hot and crowded. Okay, and we got the new one. It had air conditioning and no mosquitoes. Loved it. But we have our traditions. And how do we communicate? How do we do communion? What kind of rituals do we have? And so Jesus is going to answer them, answer their thing and say, I'm going to define the truth over your traditions. So Jesus is going to respond to them in verse 6. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? Now one thing I want to stop about just for a second Jesus is one of the most wonderful, kind people you will ever meet unless you're an obnoxious religious person. Okay? The, he is, the only people that get kind of the whip with Jesus is, are the obnoxious religious people. Yeah, a sinner can come up. A prostitute can come up to him. Somebody demon-possessed. Somebody unclean. Fine. Obnoxious religious person. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written in other words you bunch of hypocrites that's not a nice thing to say that you don't follow through he says this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men you leave the commandment of god and hold the tradition of man so he starts out with this he says notice the way he responds he starts with scripture if you're going to have a debate over something, look in the scriptures. Well, we've always done it this way. Okay, does it say that in the Bible? I don't know, we've always done it that way. Does it say that in the Bible? If we truly are going to debate what is right or wrong, and there are different ways of doing it. It's okay to wear a kilt if you're in a Scottish service. Nothing wrong with that. Okay? There's nothing wrong with having a, a, an altar in the front, an altar in the back, your singers in the front, singers in the back. 
But if you become so important on that and forget that the, what the Bible says is all that we can really come down on somebody else about. And here's the key. My tradition does not trump Scripture. My view, my idea of this is right, this is wrong because it's my opinion. Or I heard it from some teacher, some great teacher. Today it wouldn't be an elder. We would probably say, I heard it from this person who has a TV show or has a blog or has a YouTube channel and they have this understanding of this. Is it from Scripture or is it not? Because Jesus starts right from Scripture. What's funny Jesus is the writer of Scripture, and anything he says is Scripture, but he himself still uses Scripture. How much more do we need to use it? And he talks to them. He says, you have superficial superficial religious devotion without a heart. There are people, and there are some of us in this churches, more formal churches than us, where they know how to do every action that the church requires. They know how to do every whatever it may be, the prayers in the right order, how to look like a Christian, how to stand like a Christian, how to act like things. But they don't have the heart after God. And I would much rather, and God is saying, have your heart than your religious traditions. You know what's fascinating about this? A couple of fascinating things about this. Do you know that the nation of Israel, when they were carried up into captivity, that up until the day they were carried off into captivity, they were doing the ritualistic sacrifices. But God said, I'm, I don't even like the smell of your sacrifices because their hearts were so far from him. But they were doing exactly what he called them. They're like, look, look, God, we're doing exactly what you're calling us to do. But they weren't following through. The priority is the heart, not the external. Worship needs to be based on our hearts. The danger in verse 8 shows that tradition moves us from the commandments of God. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. In other words, you just take a commandment from God and you say, thank you, but I'd rather have this. I'd rather have this, and I'll call that Christian. And then Jesus uses an example of traditions against the spirit of of scripture. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained for me is Corban, that is given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. So here's a command. We all know he goes right to the Ten Commandments. I think most of us would say clearly, Ten Commandments, all in favor of them. Yes, people fight for the Ten Commandments. So he goes right to the heart. Notice he doesn't go to some obscure. He says, Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. We're all in agreement, right? Well, of course they have to say yes. But what did they do? They took this loophole that said that you could declare Corbin. And what Corbin meant was you could say, oh, mom and dad, I know you guys are hurting, but I've dedicated all of this wealth to to the temple. Now, the loophole in this whole thing was you dedicated the wealth to the temple, and you got to use it for the rest of your life 
while your parents starved. But you got to use it, and when you died, then the temple got it. And so it was a loophole that people were using to not fulfill the great command. He says, you made a tradition that is causing a commandment not to work. Your tradition is driving people away and stopping you from doing what you need to be doing. And so he's going to go further and he's going to say, what does truly define holiness? So he's going to give a negative example, but he's going to go further in this in verse 14. And he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So he makes a pronouncement to the crowd. Hand washing was to make sure what went into the body was clean, but Jesus emphasized that the true measure of holiness and purity is what's inside of you, not what's on the outside that comes in. And verse 17, and he entered the house and let the people and left the people. His disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, "Then you are also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters his heart, it, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. Food is not the issue, for it comes into the mouth, and it leaves as my junior hires here, poop. Okay, that was a nice way Jesus said poop there. Okay, just for you know, it, he said it. It's expelled. All right? He's saying that's all food does. It comes in and goes back out the other side. He says, and you're worried about that, but the things of the heart, you're not paying any attention to. Too much worry about outside actions and not on the heart. I have heard these words said, and I still have not gotten a good understanding of what this, well, I've gotten some understanding, but not a good one. I have heard people come up to me and say, that person's a Christian? They don't look like a Christian. What does a person look like that's a Christian? What is the definition of our look? Do we have to, I mean, is it the size of Bible you have? Is it the way you walk? Is it the, the clothes that you wear? Is it a certain thing? That person does not, that statement means that person does not look like what I think a Christian should look like. Because guess what? Christians look different everywhere you see them. Some Christians are going to have, look like bikers, okay? Some Christians are going to look totally different than us, especially even with our own country, but then you go around the world and you see how Christians look. You can't just define by outside appearance what a person is because the person who is acting so pure on the outside and maybe acting such has a vile heart inside of them. And the person with the vile heart or the pure heart sometimes doesn't have the exterior that's caught up to it yet. Okay? Especially people have come, in, come out of a time of sin. Their hearts are pure and their hearts are following after God. And people are telling them, well, you sure don't look like a Christian. You need to do this and do this. I mean, missionaries were doing this for years and messing everything up. We would go into a foreign country. You know what we would do? We would go to a tribe. And we were northern Minnesota missionaries. And we'd go to a tribe that's in the middle of a jungle. And we'd dress them up like people in northern Minnesota, and say that's how Christians dress. That is not right. First of all, our outfits don't work very well in a jungle. All right? 
our, I mean, what are you going to give them? You know, a, 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 you know, well, everybody wears parkas in December. Here you go. But we did it. You see the old mission compound idea, which was you sing the exact same songs you d- we do. You learn the language that we have. You do all of this because it's our tradition, and our tradition is what it's really meant to be. We need to learn from other traditions. We need to learn from them and loosen up. The heart in the Bible, another thing you need to understand, that's not your emotional center. When you say to somebody, I love you with all my heart in a Jewish understanding, you're saying, I love you with all my rational, intellectual decision-making. That's what the heart is. The emotions come from the kidneys. You should put a kidney on your uh, Valentine's card. Okay, first century Judaism. I'm not saying we're going to start that up again. But if you want to stay pure to the Bible, there you go. So, but when, when Jesus says it's a matter of the heart, it's a matter of your intellectual decision making. What decision making am I making? Am I following after what God has called me to do? And then it comes to the crux of maybe of why Mark included this story. At the end of verse 19, Jesus says this. Um, and he, by this he declared, thus he declared all foods clean. Now, I don't know how many Jewish friends that you have. Do not offer them a bacon cheeseburger. Okay? Do not. There's like three things in there that are bad. Okay? Don't call them on Saturday. Okay, but when it comes to food laws, you have to have, if you have a kosher kitchen, and if you follow the mission on the Midrash, you've got so many regulations of what pan can do what, and this touched this, and this touched this. This was put in place in the Old Testament, or the actual rules were put in place, not the ones that they added on to, in the Old Testament, because they needed to be kept separate from the pagan tribes. Because the pagan tribes were pulling them away from God. But now Jesus is setting up the kingdom, and the kingdom is going to be of Jews and Gentiles. Well, at this time, a Jew could not eat with a Gentile because if a Jew went over to a Gentile's house and was offered a bacon cheeseburger, they would have to say, I forbid to eat that. I'm forbidden to eat that. How does that start out a good conversation? Anybody like that when somebody comes over to your house? You, make, you work hard making them something. You're on the grill. They come over and they go, I won't touch that. Does that make for a lovely evening? Does that put division between the two? And so Jesus is declaring right here, all foods are clean. But you know what? This is going to take the church a long time to get over this thing. Because the Jews at this time are going to say, I can't eat with that Gentile. Remember Peter later? He's, he's at this story. But Peter won't go visit somebody who's a Gentile because he's been told he can't eat that. Wait a second, Peter. You were told right here you could. So Peter has to receive a vision three times, and still he's not sure about it. So it took him a long time, and he's Peter. So what's going on is there needed to be a unity that brought everybody together. There's a new covenant. And Jesus gives us some examples of what comes out of the heart at the end. And he said, what comes out of the heart is what defiles him. Remember, this is our decision-making. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. 
All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. In other words, what makes a person unclean, what makes a person defiled is what is in their heart and what it is that they're making decisions based on. Are they following after God? Are they making decisions following after Him? Or are they following their own desires? I looked through this list, and I would say in this list, it's a good summary of if you don't have any moral grounding, these are the natural ways that people go. Okay? This is the natural flow of people in our world. All of these things, um, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, deceit, coveting, theft. You know, you say, well, murder, but murder is, if you say that you hate somebody in your heart, Jesus is going to say, you've already committed murder in your heart. How about the coveting? How about the pride? How about the foolishness of what he's talking about here is not being wise? How about the sexual immorality and the adultery that our world just says, it's okay? How about theft? Well, I don't steal things except for when it comes to taxes and not reporting things and not doing this and the little things that we do that are okay. I've talked about it before. I had, when we were working on the church building here, I had contractors come up to me and say, Pastor, let us do something for the church. I said, that's great. Let us break the law to save you money. And I thought, what? No, you know, because I can do something, the inspectors will never see it, no one will ever know, and will save your church money. And see, that they thought, I mean, I took it, I didn't take it too much offense at, that they were, I just said, that is the natural way, and for them, they were trying to help out. And I told them they couldn't do it. I said, we can't do that, I can't lie, I can't do this, this is not the way we do it. It's going to cost you more, Pastor, than it's going to cost us more. You know, we're going to follow the law. But this is the way things go. What we need to be working on, everybody, is not just following the rituals. Not just following the traditions. But having God take over our heart and our desires. It doesn't matter if we impress the people down, the, the Baptist church down the street, that we look more Christian, again, whatever that means, or the covenant, or the free, or they, we have a competition, who looks? I want to say, whose heart is most in tune with God? Whose heart is seeking after God, root these things out of my heart? I don't want covetousness in my... I don't want to be talking behind people's back and gossiping, like slander. I don't want to have deceit. I'm not going to allow sexual immorality, whether it's in, outside the marriage or the people that are married breaking outside of that with, with, with immorality and adultery. I'm not going to let these things happen. I want my heart in tune with God. Because once we tune our heart with God, the rest falls into place. Because our actions follow from our heart. We have to have this. And so God is calling us out here. He is saying, watch out for tradition. Watch out for traditions that can bind you up and can also make a barrier to people. When somebody walks into our building and they don't look right, God says they look right, so they look right. We don't get to decide what kind of looks right or traditions we follow. 
Somebody walks in that looks different than us. For too long the church has been a, a single culture that you have to make your church. Everybody's got to agree on everything. We can have people from different political parties. People that support different teams. People that are all over the place. Traditions are not as important as the Word of God and the heart of God. And we also need to look at ourselves and say, God, help me with my heart that I may follow after you, that I may not be defiled by what comes out of me. Let me stop worrying about all these little traditions and start going after the big stuff. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Why don't you stand with me right now? For prayer ministers could come forward. First thing I want to say, if you're here with us today and you've never accepted Christ, you've never made Him the master of your life. You see, the only way to have mastery over the sins that He just listed is by a change of heart. A change of heart is required. A change, we said to repent, which means to turn and go a different direction. And that change changes the will, which changes our heart, our decision-making tool, which makes us follow after Christ. But we're not going to do it on our own. We're not going to follow this on our own. We're going to fall back into these sins over and over again without Christ. With Christ, we have hope. With Christ, I'm not going to say it's an instantaneous thing. I'm not going to say the moment you accept Christ, all of a sudden you never have to worry about any of these sins again. They don't even seem interesting to you. I wish I could say that. But I can tell you this, you're not bound to them anymore. And the Holy Spirit starts to work in your life and starts rooting them out. Jealousy, pride, envy, sexual immorality, deceitfulness, slander. God starts working them on your heart. The pride of being, look what I can do and showing off how good of a Christian you are, changed into God. Change my heart, God. Make me like you. So if you've never made that commitment, make that commitment and talk to one of our prayer ministers. But for everybody else here, and if you want to pray with one of our prayer ministers afterward about any need that you have, we do not want you to leave this service without an opportunity for prayer. But for everybody else here, let's just think right now. God, take our hearts. If there's any traditions that we're doing as a church, as individuals, that are putting up barriers between us and God, or us and people that are unsaved, are there any barriers that we have put up? Have we become like the Pharisees, where we're so proud of the way we do things that we don't allow anybody new to to come in? We don't allow any new people that are supposedly unclean, because guess what? Everybody's unclean except for a life-changing transformation of the Holy Spirit. We want every sinner in this community to come to our church and become saved. That's the desire of this church. And when they walk in here, we want to show them we want to love you and care for you. Yeah, they're going to do some things that are going to shake us up a little bit. Just so you know, when you make that command, when you make that opening... You're going, to see, you're going to hear and see some things. But you know what? You're also going to see life transformed in front of you. You want to see excitement? Watch the heart start to change. 
Watch the person who is so stuck in their sinful ways. Watch that be torn away by the power of the Holy Spirit and watch them come out as a new creation. That's the church we want to be. Let's not let traditions get in the way. If you don't like something and it goes against you, but it helps people, let it go. If you wish we would have got red chairs instead of these chairs, let it go. Okay? You know, it's, we just have to follow. And, let, and second of all, I just want to challenge us. Let's, let's look at our hearts. God, change our hearts. I'd rather have God change my heart this week than for me to do some rep, rep, repetitious act or something like that. God, make my heart more like yours. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your love. We ask now, God, that you help us to not get bound by tradition that drives us further from the Scripture, God. It just strikes me, that word, that our tradition could take us away from Scripture. Let us follow only what is scriptural and leave the rest behind. God, let us be a church that has open arms, open hearts, God, to people that are in need of you. God, it doesn't mean we're not going to say what the Scripture says because we're looking for people to be transformed. We're looking for you. We realize, God, that we're all sinners in need of grace. And once people come here, they're going to hear the Word of God. They're going to be convicted of their sin. And they're going to start to change because of that God. Not because of our harping on them with our traditions, but because of the Spirit of God. Let us bring the Spirit to them, God, not our traditions. And God, let us look at our hearts today. Are we making decisions? Are we letting our will be run by you, God, or is it being run by us? Are we defiling by what's coming out of us, God? Our slander, our gossip, our envy, our jealousy, God. Sexual immorality, God. Drive it from us, God. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. We need to pray with somebody. Our prayer ministers are available. Otherwise, you are dismissed.